Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. ...of the world and, and all the, um, uh, the sacrifice that they've uh, they put in. And so in about half an hour's time, uh, we'll be taking a moment of silence. It will be in the middle of the message. So I'll inform you that I am stopping. I won't just stop. Um, and we will stand together and we will honor uh, those who have given their lives uh, for our peace. And so that will be happening in half an hour's time. But today is week two of Loud and Clear. Turning up... Oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> wasn't expecting that. It was nice. But turning up the volume on God's voice. And before I get into um, the actual uh, content for this morning, I just want to make a statement that I think is extremely important for each and every single person to 100% believe this. And this statement is that God wants to speak with you. In fact, if I can put it in even stronger terms, God is and always will be speaking to you. I 100% believe this, and I believe that every single Christian must get into that place where they know that God is speaking to them, not just in specific moments and not just when you go to Him, but every single moment of every single day, God is speaking. God is relevant to our everyday life, and He is concerned about our everyday life, and He is speaking. And that's why we're doing a series called Loud and Clear, because we need to be able to tune in and to recognize God's voice. Pastor Schaefer spoke last week about understanding and, and recognizing the sound of God's voice, which is a brilliant message, a great setup. But today I want you to be able to walk away with confidence that God is speaking to you. And I'll be doing this through Luke chapter 8. And so if you've got your Bibles, grab, grab your Bibles. I'll give you a quick rundown because we're going to be going through a, a, quite a lot of uh, Scripture this morning. And uh, uh, to set things up, Jesus was telling this parable. Uh, and He was telling this parable, and it's called the parable of the sower. Most of you who have uh, been in church for a long time would have heard the parable of the sower before. Basically, there was a farmer. Jesus tells the story of a farmer that goes out and sows some seed. And he scatters the seed, and the seed falls on four different kinds of soil. The first soil is a hard soil. It basically is just a pathway. People have been walking over this for a long time, and it's completely hardened. And the hard soil cannot receive the seed, and nothing happens. Basically, the birds of the air come, and they steal the seed, and it's gone. And then we, we have this second soil, and the second soil is the rocky soil. And the rocky soil actually does receive the seed of God, the seed, the, the seed that the farmer sows, but it doesn't go down very deep. Because of all the rocks that are in that soil, uh, the seed stays at a very shallow place, and it says that it is unable to get to the water source, and therefore, as it sprouts up and it grows beyond the ground level, uh, and the sun comes up, it withers and it dies. No fruit. The third soil is that of a thorny ground. And this time around, this soil is great. It takes in the seed, and the seed goes right nice and deep. It grows roots. It gets to a water source. It starts to grow. It starts to mature. But as it matures, it, it gets choked because of all these thorns that are taking the space that it needs to grow. And so this seed doesn't mature into a full-grown plant, and it has no fruit. 
And then finally, Jesus talks about the fourth seed that falls on the fourth kind of soil, which is the good soil. It receives the seed. The seed goes down deep. It gets to the water source. It grows up. There is space for it to grow, and it bears fruit. This is an agricultural community uh, that Jesus was talking to. And when he talked about bearing fruit, every single one of them were going, yes, I want that. Sometimes when we read this, it's like, oh, poor farmers, all that lame seed. And we forget that, that the, for the audience, Jesus was talking about everything to them. The harvest was everything. And in the same way, I just want to put out there for each and every one of us that God has created us to be productive, for us to bear fruit and to have a harvest. That is your design. If you are going through life and you're just trying to manage yourself and, and, and there's no, no real desire or need for you to, to see more of God or anything, that's not how God has created you. If there is something inside of you that says there is, there is more, there is meant to be more, that is a God-given desire. It is part of you. There's nothing wrong with desiring more in your life, to be more productive, to be more fruitful. God has created you that way. But as I was reading this parable, something stood out to me. Jesus said that the seed is God's word and is the seed that matures and grows and bears fruit, which means that if you want to be productive in your life, guess what you need? You don't just need to have good soil, you also need to have the seed. Make sense? You can be the best soil ever, but if you're not hearing God's voice, you're not going to bear any fruit. You haven't received the seed. And this is a very important thing because I think in many of our lives, we, we kind of prepare ourselves and, and as Christians, we get to church, we go to lift groups, uh, we, we, do, we tithe, we, we do all these amazing things and we're, and we're like, yeah, let's, let's bear fruit now, but you're not hearing God's voice. You haven't received the seed. The seed hasn't gone down deep. It's not going to be able to do anything. Our productivity is completely based on the fact of how we receive God's word. And that is really dangerous because I think that that is one of the hardest things in our Christian walk. The number of people that I have sat with and had conversations with that say that they don't really know how to hear God. They might have been Christians for five, ten years and they're like, Pastor Nate, I don't really know if I recognize God's voice. I don't really know if I'm hearing God's voice. Have you, have you heard this um, saying that it was like the heavens are like brass? The number of people that I've sat with that said, right now, it just feels like the heaven is like brass. I can't hear God's voice. I don't know what He's saying. And I believe that that actually breaks God's heart. I believe that that is not actually God's design as to how He works in our lives. And I, and I want to show it to you in Luke chapter 8. You see, after Jesus tells the parable, He then goes on, uh, His disciples pull Him aside, and they, and they say to Him, Jesus explained to us His parable. Jesus explains the parable, and then He says in verse 16, He says, No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have even what they think they have will be taken from them. I read this passage many times in my life. And let me tell you something. I've misunderstood this passage for the longest of times. 
Why? Is because this passage, this whole idea of a lamp on a stand, is, is a metaphor that Jesus uses in a different context. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says to the crowds that he was teaching, he said, you are the salt and the light of the earth. And he says that you're meant to bring the God flavors into the world. You're supposed to bring the kingdom culture into the world, flavoring the world. And you're also supposed to be the light, which in prayer meeting we spoke about, that God, Jesus says that you are the light to the world. You are meant to shine God's light into the world. And so when I read this passage in Luke chapter 8, I have this understanding or this pre-understanding, this bias, if you will, that I'm meant to be that lamp. Make sense? So you, I read this and like Jesus was talking about the sower and the seed and all that kind of stuff. And then, and, then, and then he talks about me being a lamb. And I read this a while ago and I realized Jesus wasn't talking about me. You know, there are moments where you're just like, really? It's not about me? I thought it's all about me. It's not about you. It's not always about you, Christian. Jesus is not always saying you are this and you are that. Sometimes he's like, this is how it works and you need to get in alignment. And this is one of those passages. And, and, and the reason why I, I understand that and, and I've got this confusion is because, I don't know if you can see this, but this is my Bible. And this is, come back. And this bit over here is the parable of the sower. And then there is this little bold heading over here called a lamp on a stand. And what this little heading does is that it breaks up the parable of the sower with this passage that we have just read. Sorry, sound guy, I'm moving everywhere. I do apologize. Uh, uh, and, and it almost seems like Jesus has changed topics. Yeah? But guess what? That little heading wasn't in the original text. Jesus didn't talk about the sower and say, next paragraph, a lamp on the stand. No one, no, 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 no. Jesus didn't do that. He just went on and he said, hey, this is the, this is the lamp. Uh, sorry, this is the, this is the parable of the sower. And then he immediately says, no one lights a lamp. No one lights a lamp. In other words, the whole idea of the lamp and the whole idea of the seed is the same thing. Jesus was using different analogies to teach on the same topic. Make sense? following me. So what does that mean? It means that the lamp on a stand is representative of God's word. And Jesus says that God, this is my lamp. It's a very cool lamp. God has a lamb also known as his word. And he takes this lamp. And when he has this lamp, it says no one lights a lamp and covers it up. That did not work. <laughs> and covers it up. I wish this was a dark room. And it, like, that's why we need a church building that is completely dark so I can do theatrical stuff like this. <laughs> and I have people dancing in the background. <laughs> the smoke of God's presence. But, but, but it says that no one lights a lamp and hides it up. God doesn't have this light, His Word, and try to make it hard for us to find. God has not hidden His Word. God has not put it in a difficult place to find. God has taken His Word and He has uncovered it, made it completely accessible for any single person. 
But there is a little issue here. He says that so that anyone who comes in can see the light. This is really important for us as Christians because God is not making His light hard to find. Sometimes we're just in the wrong space. Sometimes we're just not in the right space to hear and to see God's Word. You see, there's no point having this bright light if I'm facing this way. If this is a completely dark room and I'm facing... Actually, that will still work. Imagine that there's a wall. I'm outside that wall. I'm over that side. There is no point having that light because I'm over there. Is that right? You know what I mean? We... we we need to learn how to come in in order to be able to see the light and to be able to experience the benefits of the light. There's another bit of proof here that this is what Jesus is talking about. Because in verse 18, it says, Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Have you asked yourself this question recently? How are you listening? I've been married for five years and what are we, November, nine months, five years and nine months, nearly to the day, in two days, we've made it back, <laughs> we're doing well, and one of the things that I've learned in my vast experience of marriage <laughs> is that I need to consider carefully how I'm listening to Beck, all the married people are, yep, all the unmarried people are like, what? But the truth is, I learned, simplistically speaking, there's probably more than this, but there are mainly two ways that I listen to Beck. One is the guy way, which means that when I listen to Beck, I'm, I'm trying to fix something. Beck comes in, uh, like we're having a conversation, it's like, Nate, this is what's happening, da 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 da. It's like, okay, Beck, you know what you need to do? You need to do this, you need to do this. This is a guy thing, right? For most guys, that's how it is. It's, it's, like, it's like Beck has just given me a box of Lego and, and, and I have to fix it. I have to know how this ends and I have to make sure that this is beautiful and complete. But what Beck is actually asking of me in how I'm listening is simply to listen. This is a novelty to most guys. You want me to listen and do nothing. Yes, just look at this amazing box of Lego pieces. I'm like, why? Why would you do this to me? But in my five years of marriage, I finally realized that how I listen is so important. And my advice and my know-it-all type sense doesn't, doesn't help. She just needs someone to be listening to her. And I'm wondering how many of us consider how we listen to God. How many of us, when we go into God's presence and we speak to God, we actually have a shopping list of stuff. Do you know that I, I really hate this statement. I hate this phrase. It's called answered prayer. Because in Christian circles, when we say answered prayer, we actually mean prayers that have come true according to what I want. And when we have prayers that don't go the way that we want it to go, it's unanswered prayer. <laughs> you know what? My unanswered prayer is that red Ferrari in my house, my mansion, my palace with palace guards and butlers waiting hand and foot after me. I don't have that. Does that mean that God has not answered that prayer? No, He's answered it. And He said no. He said, you don't need that. Some of you are asking for things and saying God has an answer, but do you consider how are you listening? Have you considered how you're coming into God's presence? Do you just have a shopping list and telling God how it's supposed to be done? Or are you actually in a place where you're like, I want to see the light for what the light is? 
I actually want to listen. I actually want to hear what God is saying. Are you considering how you're listening? This is something so important. And, and when we see it in that way, we have to understand that God has not made His Word unavailable. God has not made His Word inaccessible. God has not made His Word hidden. God has not made His Word so difficult for us to understand. He has made it available, but it all depends on how we come in. That's what I want to talk to you about today. We need to consider how we come in. How do we come in into God's presence so that we can hear truly? That's what the parable of the sower is all about. Jesus explains the parable of the sower. It says in Luke 8 verse 11, it says, This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky grounds are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. They do not mature, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Clearly, God wants us to have a good and noble heart. That is how we come in into God's presence and to hear with a good and noble heart. And I looked at that and I was like, what does a good and noble heart look like? And because I love you guys so much, I did the groundwork, I did the excavation, I, I went into the Greek, I was like, there must be something deeper. What's this good and noble heart all about? And I discovered that in the Greek, a good and noble heart means a good and noble heart. It's exactly as it is translated. The translators got it right. It's, if you, if you want to use a different word because we don't really use noble anymore, you can say good and beautiful heart. What does a good and beautiful heart look like? I, I was looking at this and I was like, I don't know. Jesus doesn't say. But then as I continue to look into this passage, I discovered that Jesus is showing us what a good and noble heart is through showing us what a good and noble heart isn't. And if we understand what a good and noble heart isn't, and we deal with the stuff that isn't a good and a noble heart, we actually come back to the original design. God's always designed you with a good and noble heart. There's this wholesomeness in your heart that God has designed you with. We have always had the resources, the positioning, and, and the desire to be in God's presence holy. That is what has always been like. But over time, there are things that take away. And Jesus, through this passage, shows it to us. And that's when things really started to open up to me as I looked in this passage. Because I used to approach this soils business in, in, in a bit of a different way. I used to think, yeah, you know, there's a good and noble heart. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there is the completely hard heart. And we all know, we all know people who are completely hard towards God. And not just hard towards God, but hard towards people. And you know how hard soil is created? By people walking over it trampling up and down if you're in a place where you're feeling trampled and your and your heart is just so hard because there's been so much that's been happening that you're just some completely unresponsive to anyone or any place you're in the complete opposite place to a good and noble heart god has never created you to be so hard towards people if you are always defensive to any person that comes to you if your first response when anyone comes to you and does something nice is like, what's your intention 
it's an indication that you might be in a place of a hard heart. I'm going to hazard a guess that most of you don't have a completely hard heart because you're here this morning. You're here listening to an Asian guy shout at you for 20 minutes so far, and you haven't walked out. You're probably doing okay. You're receiving something. But there's, there's this thought that there's a good and noble heart, and then there is this completely hard heart. And I used to think that in, the, in between there was just this mixture heart. Mixture heart. And I was like, yep, you know, there's, there's the mixture. We want to be on the good and noble side, and we don't want to be on the hard side. But I never really took note of what's in the middle. And I didn't realize that God actually gives us two different kinds of hearts in the middle. Not just one mixture heart, but two different kinds of mixture hearts. And they are really important because if we deal with these two separate things well, we are on our way to having a good and noble heart. Do you want to know what they are? The first one is the rocky soil. The rocky soil where the seed is only going down uh, uh, semi, like shallowly. It doesn't actually go any deeper because of all the rocks and things that are stopping it. And, and as I was kind of waiting on God, I was like, God, what does this represent? What does this mean? He put this in my heart and he said, the rocky soil are the kinds of hearts, the kind of people that are still holding on to things and are pushing God's word away. In other words, if you want to know whether you've got a rocky heart, Ask yourself this, what are you holding on to? What are you really holding on to? This is an important question because I didn't ask this question until I was much older. I was in my early 20s when I finally asked this question. I'd grown up in a Christian family. I've grown up going to church. I've been, if, if there was any week that I wasn't in church, it was a weird week. It, it just wasn't normal for us. We, it, when we first came to Australia, we were so desperately looking for a church. We even went to this church where, where the preacher preached, and, and, and he was preaching about joy, and he had the most sour face ever. But at least we went to church. You know, that was a, it was like, yeah, you know, I want to be in church. That was the desire of our heart. But I never really understood that, that I only allowed God's word to go down a little bit. It didn't really touch me at the core of who I am. And I discovered that there were these rocks inside of my heart. There were these rocks that were stopping God from really getting in to where it truly mattered. The seed wasn't able to grow because there were other things that were more important to me than God's Word. Next week, I'm going to be talking about one of the biggest rocks that stops most people, if not all people, from truly receiving God's Word. Next week, we're going to talk about shame, and it is it's such an important message. Let me tell you, next week is going to be a week of freedom. Next week is going to be a week of healing. You, will, you don't understand how much you struggle with shame until you understand what shame does. And next week is going to be so important. This week is just a little teaser. Uh, and, and, and for me, there was a sense of shame that was shown in pride and, and in self-sufficiency. What do I mean by that? For me, what I was holding on to was the sense that I needed to prove myself to God. So whenever God was saying, here, have this gift of grace, I said, wait, I want to earn it. Can you imagine? Someone gives you a gift and they said, no, no, I don't deserve it yet. Let me get there first. Let me get that HD in my exam and then I will take that gift. That's how I responded to God. I didn't understand grace because I wanted to work for it. 
I didn't understand God's love because, and unconditional love, because I thought it was conditioned on how I was performing. For over 20 years of my life, that's how I lived. For over 20 years of my life, I walked into the church thinking that I needed to perform in order to get into God's presence. And I, I did this in so many different ways. I sang until my voice was hoarse because maybe I thought that was what a sacrifice of praise looked like. That was the depth of the, how tightly I was holding on to some of these rocks. And we need to understand that that is not how God has created us. That is not what God's Word is all about. When we take God's Word in place, it is, it's, it's, it's what it is. Without condition. Without filters. And the rocks that we hold on to become the filters over our soul and over our perspective. And so we are kind of seeing the light, but through the lens of what we want it to mean. And suddenly God's grace isn't as gracious as is meant to be because it actually feels like a burden. Have you ever been in that place where God's grace actually feels like a burden? I've been there before where it's like, what do you mean that this is a free gift? Surely it comes with conditions attached. Why did you give so much? Because now I have to give it all back. And that was the kind of thought that was running through my heart and I never really understood grace. For some of the people, the rocks in your heart is actually hurt. It's actually unforgiveness. Jesus actually says before you come into God's presence, if you remember that you've, had, you've got some beef with someone, go deal with it before you come back. Why? Because unforgiveness becomes a rock. Unforgiveness becomes this thing that you're holding on to that stops you from being able to see the light as it is. I'm going to pause there because I'm about to hit something really important, but we've got something really important to do as well. This is our uh, Remembrance Day moment uh, for us to honor those who have passed or for those who have sacrificed for us. Can you just stand with me? We're just going to take a moment, one minute of silence. And I'll say a prayer at the end of this moment, and we'll go from there. Dear God, we thank you for those who have sacrificed for our peace. We thank you for those who have fought for our freedom. And we pray over them. We pray over the families that have also sacrificed because of this idea of freedom and peace. We pray your blessing over them. We pray your covering over them, God. And we also do pray for the peace of our world. We thank you that, God, that you have got this amazing design for us. And we pray that we're able to walk in it. We thank you, God. Amen. Why don't you grab a seat? Thanks for allowing us to do that. 
I'm actually sweating now. Preaching myself happy. Rocks. Is it pride for you? Is it self-sufficiency for you? Is it unforgiveness for you? What are the things that are stopping you from truly coming in? See, when I put the sower and the lamb on the stand stories together, something popped out to me. See, when you're in a place of darkness and you walk into a place where there's a really bright light, what happens? You're completely blinded for a little while, yeah? And that blindness can actually be quite disturbing because we get so used to this darkness, our eyes have actually adjusted so we can still exist without the light. We can go around, we might get a few bruises, we might hit ourselves on the shin a few times, but it's okay. And then the first time we look, oh my gosh, what is that? That is what it is like walking into the light. And then what happens after a little while, if, if you persevere, if you persevere, your eyes begin to adjust to the light. And suddenly you become more aware of a whole bunch of stuff that in the darkness you've never seen. Yeah? And it freaks us all out. Why? I didn't... Who dressed me? Why am I wearing this? Is that really what I look like? I thought I was better than this or... I thought I was coping better than this. Things begin to be revealed and it's uncomfortable. Things begin to be revealed and, and suddenly you're like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I want this. So many people are much more comfortable seeing the light in the distance where it only has the ability to reveal a little bit about us rather than to stand right up to the light and let it reveal everything about us. Jesus says in this analogy, he says, for there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. The truth is God's word will endure forever. And one day we will all have to, without boundaries, stand in the light of who Jesus is. In that day, everything will be revealed. The choice is yours whether it's revealed now so that you're able to deal with it or whether it's revealed later when it's too late to do anything about it. That's the way it is. And that's why Jesus goes on to say, therefore consider carefully how you listen because whoever has will be given more and whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken from them. Why? Because the more we persevere and walk into the fullness of the light, the more is revealed, the more healing you receive, the more freedom you receive, the more empowerment you receive, the more God's word is real to you, the more it becomes a bedrock of your life, the more you bear fruit and sort of the more you have, the more you will receive. And more, 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 more. God has designed you for that more. God has designed you in that way. But the process of getting to more sometimes is uncomfortable because it reveals things about us that we don't like. It reveals these rocks that we're holding on to that, that, that is like, really, am I really that way? I thought I was more forgiving. No, you're not. I thought I was more gracious. No, you're not. I thought I was more together. No, you're not. I thought I was more able. No, you're not. 
But the more you step into the light, the more you know, yes, I am in Christ. Yes, I am in Christ. And he also goes on to say that those who think they have because there are people standing in darkness or maybe even sort of possible little bit of light and they're saying, I'm doing good enough. That's a lie. It's a lie of the enemy to steal away from you what was meant to be yours originally. That is what hearing from God is all about. You get rid of the rocks, but there's something else you need to get rid of. Remember I said that there was a rocky soil and then there was the thorny soil. The thorny soil represents something else. The thorny soil represents a person who has received God's word and it has actually gone down deep. And then it begins to mature and it begins to grow and then it becomes choked. You see, the rocks describe to us what we are holding on to, but the thorns describe what we are pursuing. We need to deal with the things that we're holding on to, but we also need to deal with the things that we are pursuing. Jesus said this when he described this parable. He said that the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. Note this, worries, riches, and pleasures. Worries, riches, and pleasures. Say it with me, worries, riches, and pleasures. It is not just one kind of thorn. We often think that thorns mean the things that we need to deal with because they are really terrible. And yes, it's true, there's some worries that shouldn't be worries at all. Some of you are worried about things that have got no eternal significance. But then in the same way, some of us are chasing riches and accumulation of wealth that doesn't mean anything eternally either. And some of us are seeking pleasures that are temporary and destructive. We need to know what is our heart positioning and what we are truly pursuing. The truth is when we allow God to speak to us and He gives us that seed, the seed always carries a call. The seed always carries purpose. The seed always carries potential. But it needs to be directed. God's Word is always directive. The truth is some of us don't like coming to the light because it starts to reveal to us our worries, our, our pursuits that, that don't stand in alignment with His Word. And, and sometimes it hurts. Because sometimes we build our identity so much around all of these pursuits and we've been so carried away with all of these pursuits when we're like, really God, I've neglected what you called me to do? If we want to have a good and noble heart, we need to know what we are holding on to and we need to know what we are pursuing. Carefully consider how you are listening. Are you listening through the lens of your rocks and your thorns? Are you listening from a place of openness? It's allowing God to truly reveal to us what He's truly saying. He has made His Word available. He has. It's promised in the Word. God doesn't take His Word and hide it under a rock. It is available. This morning, I want us to get practical. Because in this space, as I'm speaking, I know that God is moving. I know Holy Spirit is beginning to speak to some of you. And even right now, you can start to pick up those rocks and those thorns. Let me just say something. We don't deal with it quickly or in a moment. It's always a journey. Right now, I think I'm doing okay. But I bet... 
There's some more rocks. And there's some more thorns that are going to emerge in my life. And the truth is, rocks and thorns can emerge in our lives over time. Like I said, how does soil become hard? You get trampled on. It's life. Sometimes I develop rockiness. And sometimes I develop thorniness. And there's this process. And it says, that's why Jesus says, those who persevere in the good heart, persevere, is standing there and saying, reveal to me, God. Reveal to me and help me to deal with it. It's not just the revealing, but it's the dealing with it. (laughs) Some of you are having things revealed to you. God's word is here. It is showing light in dark places. It's uncomfortable. I understand. But I'm more concerned with the fact that when you are standing face to face with God in a place of goodness, wholeness, that's when you are at your best. That's God's design for you. Can we get the band up this morning? We're about to finish in just a moment. But like I said, let's get practical. Let's start thinking about this. Let's start allowing this to deal with stuff inside of our lives. First and foremost, I want to speak to people who might not have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Jesus is the light of the world. And He's come to seek and to save the lost. That has always been His desire. He didn't come to condemn or to put you down. He came so that you might see the light and you might live according to the design that you were created with. John 3.16, we... Most of us know it by heart. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. How are you hearing that verse? Do you recognize that that verse was equally written for you as it was for me? I know that God loves me, but do you know that God loves you? Have you accepted and received His love? This morning, if you haven't received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, I want to lead you into a prayer to invite Him in. The Bible tells us that if we confess of our lips and believe in our heart that He is Lord, that day salvation is yours. And so with every eye closed, every head bowed, I would like everyone to say this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I invite you into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I thank you that you paid for my sin that I might be righteous, that I might stand before you, not as a foe, but as a friend. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lyft, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.